Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity, your host, and today coming from Dallas, Texas, we have Renee Scooter. Renee is an expert love and intimacy coach, speaker, and author. She has master accredited skills in trauma release, stress, anxiety, and anger management, plus affair recovery. She's a mother of seven and grandmother of six. Her primary two focuses in coaching are working with singles 40 plus years old to rediscover their worthiness so they can be confident and find the love of their life and working with women to heal their sexual selves so they can trust again and love deeply. Renee has a diversified background in education and life experience. Having been monogamous and polyamorous, she understands multiple relationship designs. As a rape and domestic abuse survivor, Renee has been through deep healing of complex PTSD, anxiety, and depression for herself. With 24 years of coaching individuals and couples, 3,000 plus hours of training, 5,000 plus one-on-one -on -one clients served, and 25,000 plus in-session hours with those clients, she has been featured in a multitude of well-known publications. She's syndicated with such places as Good Men's Project, Your Tango, Elephant Journal, Medium, MSN, Unwritten, Raw Attraction Magazine, and even Lifetime TV, Married at First Sight. Published works with leaders such as Brian Tracy, John Asaraf, Dr. Susan Lark, and Dr. Mercola, and more. In the last few years, Renee has gone through some massive shifts in her business and life, which has transformed her into having an even more authentic approach to living, loving, and coaching. Married for almost two decades, divorced, in a domestic union with the, the man to two of her children for six years, where she explored an open relationship then separated and now is happily united with the man she refers to as her soulmate or love of her life for almost the last three years. She has learned the power behind such tragedies and sufferings and how the only way around is through. When we choose ourselves and our healing and happiness despite what life may give us, we stand in deep bravery and it is here that we access our radiance and magic. To connect with her, you go directly in the description of this show. Currently, it's kendallwilliams.com, and there is many other things. So, all the details to connect with Renee are in the description. And we are now going into the conversation. Welcome, Renee. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. I'm I'm very excited. <laughs> so am I. Um, we have such a powerhouse in that show. I'm very grateful that you joined. Thank you. Thank you, seriously. My first question. We barely touched about domestic abuse and kind of things like that, but it's not very clear. What kind of abuse did you overcome in your life? Well, 
there was definitely childhood events that took place. My father was a volcano personality type and, and very you know dramatic on that front. So there was that, which led to the programs and all of the mental emotional components that probably attracted me to my first husband, where he was not physically violent. There was sexual items. I ended up having a lot of a lot of intimate moments that I was not on board with, but I felt that it was my duty. Um, I felt like I had to, so I didn't say even, I, so I consented. <laughs> I consented even though I really didn't want to in so many instances. And it, his form of abuse really was more on the lines of an emotional, mental gaslighting, tons of gaslighting in that relationship where I felt like I was going crazy at every turn. And it actually did push me into a deep, deep depression for about two years where if it hadn't been for a good friend pulling me out, I would not be here today. <laughs> so I, I definitely contribute that moment of um, saving to you know, the blessings, angels, God, universe, whatever you want to say, something greater than self. Um, and then after that, I mean, I went through ups and downs in that relationship. But like I said, it was a lot of gaslighting, a lot of consent over things that I didn't want, but there was no physical violence. There was not, I was the one doing the yelling and the fighting. I would, I would actually classify myself as being the violent partner in the relationship because I was so high emotion and not recognizing. I was also very young, so I wasn't recognizing. I didn't have the skills and knowledge. I didn't, I, I hadn't reached out for therapy or coaching or anything like that. And I did not want to even look at the childhood wounds and how they were impacting me as a young woman and as a young mother. So fast forward, ended up getting divorced. One day I just, I knew it wasn't right. I came into him and I was, I was just done. And I needed, I needed to go explore myself, ended up on a path, um, opening up my, my world. I wanted to learn about my sex, about emotion, about relationship. I also started, you know, wanting to work with people on this because my healing journey opened me up to, wow, I'm feeling so much better. Things are going so great other people need to hear this. So I really didn't know what, what to do or how to get myself out of those situations that I was consenting to. I hadn't learned the things that I know today, but as soon as I started to deep dive into, you know, boundaries, non-negotiables, working on my self-worth, my value as a human being, right. And it, within the relationship, I also started to ask him, you know, I just, I need, I want time. Like, can we spend some time together? I wanted to work on the relationship of which he was a no-go. He didn't want anything to do with that. The only way he could have a relationship was if there was multiples because he couldn't have the emotional component to that. And so it quickly diverged into this land of, I was asking for things that I shouldn't be asking for and he would get mad. And then, then came the more mental, what I now view as straight up narcissistic abuse, um, you know, and having two kids together. I see it still in my life repeatedly with him of me having to just hold that container, set those boundaries, gray rock, so many different situations with him because he will just try to bulldoze me. And 
he consistently tried to bulldoze me, but the more I put up my, my nose to him and stating, no, I'm not okay with that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want an open relationship. I want this. No, I don't want these very risky scenarios that you're telling me that I want and that I enjoy. That's not right. That ended up in about a 90 minute ordeal of physical violence with him having 24 shots of vodka on his system about because they were pouring double shots and and he got very mad at my um, then my my like 12 year old son at the time. He got very mad at him. I went into mommy protection mode and was like, what's going on? Well, that was the wrong thing to do was to ask or to protect the child. And next thing I knew, my knee was dislocated in a few different directions and hands around my throat. And I was the only thing that worked for about three months were these two digits. And everything else was in just, I was wrapped up and bruised. And I look at pictures sometimes that my girlfriend took of me and I go, that happened to me? Like, it seems like another world. And my knee was like this big. And yeah, and it, oh, I couldn't, crutches, you name it. I had it going on. <laughs> Lost my house, my car, my mobility, all within 90 minutes. And I just stood up for my kid and was saying no, you know, setting healthy boundaries. And really they were just healthy boundaries. So that was, I mean, like, there you go. Uh, after that, I chose a really bad guy to date temporarily who ended up stalking me, you know, short intern ended up stalking me and was extremely anxiety ridden and, and, and jealous over everything very much so. But with him, I had already established an about a boundary of like I'm not I'm I'm not into this relationship. We are just dating. So I had that container. So that one was like eh, that's not a big deal. It wasn't a domestic union or a marriage or you know of this space. It was playful, and he just wasn't listening to my boundaries. So he had to go. <laughs> so, Definitely. Yeah. Wow. It's a roller coaster. To go through that and to be broken in your physicality for stating healthy boundaries that takes a toll on your mindsets as well oh and my goodness one. yes it does <laughs> very very this good. is why then you talk about complex ptsd because it's like but if i do protect because i must but then if i get i mean i'm not going to die maybe i will and then how am I going to protect my child if I'm dead? Yeah, it makes it it makes it difficult, even in the relationship that I have. I mean, between Craig and I, we are so close and I completely trust him. And he's an opposite person of this, like complete and total opposite. Yeah, it's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But there's still like he will get a tone in his voice or he'll shut down because yeah. he's processing something and it will yeah. trigger fear, anxiety that that complex PTSD comes up and I go into this mode of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you know, like what's going to happen to me? Or if the kids get a little bit too loud or something, I start to pan. I have this like little panic that happens inside myself that goes, is he, is something going to happen? Do I need to protect the kids? I mean, nothing's ever happened. <laughs> he just is consistent and loving and supportive and we communicate and he, he, understands me well enough that he'll stop and he'll say, Hey babe, you know, 
what's going on? Like your, your energy shifted right there. You seem to have, we were engaging really well. And then now you're distant. Is there something bothering you? Like, did something happen? And that just puts me back into the space of what triggered me, what triggered me. And then I go, Oh, it's this. Right. And I explain it out and he's like, Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And you know, so it's a building of, of, of the finding the evidence that that program over there is not accurate, right? Exactly. So it's just like having that consistency there and just, and still being courageous enough to go, no, I'm going to ask for this. No, I am going to share this, you know, I am going to open up, be vulnerable. And that's probably the scariest space that yes. I think that. One of the scariest things, first of all, I understand you fully completely because I have my Sasha now who is an angel in flesh, who exactly like your Greg is really helping me process all these traumas, all these triggers, all these subconscious programming, all these limiting belief, all these, all these things. Mm -hmm. And having a healthy minded man at home after having had not healthy <laughs> once it's very very healing but at the same time it's showing us how much we have been damaged in the process mm -hmm. and how much we have to to process ourselves what happens so that we can put that to rest i, I fully completely understand you it's amazing and um yeah wow Question for you, if we come back to that amazingly crazy story with those 90 minutes of such a bit of that you lost your physical abilities and everything around that, was that the shift or not yet? I think that, you know, I'd like to say that that was the shift. That was not the shift. <laughs> this is why I'm asking, because sometimes it's like, it's so bad that you cannot shift everything at the same time. I it's just, as just I don't, I really still remember, I mean, I have to drop my kids off in the driveway that this all took place still, you know, like every week I'm in that same driveway today facing the triggers and him and all of that. And so I pull up to the driveway. I won't park in it. Nothing, you know, like I park alongside, look at that. Um, but right there in that driveway where, where, I mean, yeah, I feel like I almost died that day because he was a notch away from taking the, the car door and it like barely missed my skull as he slammed the door after knocking my, well, crushing my knee. <laughs> so I remember laying there and I remember just thinking, is this happening? Is this real? Is this, I could not. I couldn't fathom what was going on and the pain. I didn't even feel the pain, even though I couldn't really walk. I couldn't move. I, it was, it was so great. And then when he came back, I remember that I had pulled myself up and I, I walked to, I like tried to limp towards him using the, my car, trying to get to him around, you know, and I'm like asking him, what is going on? What, why, why? Like I'm the person who wants to know. I'm a very curious and I want to understand everything. So I just, I remember just going, what, why is this happening? What happened? 
and he could not he, he couldn't even look at me. And that's where it ended up going with like him choking me, telling me to shut up, telling me to be quiet, throwing me down the hallway. I Again, after that, being already completely okay. broken? The, the knee came first. It was words, then it was knee, and then my arms and my, and my throat and the throwing. And that was because of my inquiry, because I went, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what was going on. I was like, what, what is happening? I was in, I know I was in a state of shock because by the time the police got there, I, I was in the shower, cold water and just shaking in a ball in the corner of the shower crying because I had climbed my way up the stairs. And he told them that I chased him and that I did all this stuff. He had one scratch on him, like right here from me with my nails, because as he threw me back, I tried to grab a hold of him so I wouldn't fly back and I scratched him so I was an abusive woman and the cops <laughs> the cops told me that they were going to arrest me they removed me from my house my children everything they put me in a car in that condition and told me to drive away or else I would end up in jail <laughs> so I and I it took me I remember if you talk to my girlfriend who I drove to her house somehow I made it there which was, you know, like 35, 40 minutes away, I drive there and she's going, what has, what happened? And I'm making excuses for him and I'm taking blame to her and I'm going, I did this. It's all my fault. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm trying to figure out how to get back the relationship, how to let, get him to forgive me for all of this. So so that was not the moment. <laughs> no, that was moment. not the moment. This is why I was asking, is that the moment or not? Because no. sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it takes hope for a better future, hope for a better relationship, a glimpse of something that can envision something different what, from what, what you actually, have. Yeah, what actually happened was it because he kept the kids and he wouldn't let me have them. And so he pulled me away from our then three and five-year-old sons. And he told me that I had abandoned them. And <laughs> yeah, I know. Looking back, I just go, okay. You see where I say narcissist, right? <laughs> I'm like, if you have a list of, of things, he, he lines it up pretty. So yeah. So he told me that I abandoned the kids. He told me all this stuff. And it was actually probably the separation of about five days of sitting there in my girlfriend's living room, sleeping on her couch with her babying me and going to driving me around and doc, you know, taking me to doctor's appointments and all this different stuff and massaging my knee for me because it was, you know, oh my gosh, it was horrible, absolutely horrible and, and helping me still take care of my clients. And I guess I have <laughs> She's like, Harold, I'll, I'll be your secretary and all this kind of stuff. So I mean, it pays to have support. It pays to have a good friend, a sisterhood of some sort. Like without her, I have no idea what I would have done. Seriously, just I, I have no idea. But it was that about five days of not being with my children, of that separation and, and actually listening to her support of don't, don't go back, stay. And I, in my head, I was going, okay, I'm going to like, my people pleasing nature was, all right, I'll take care of you and I'll stay here and I'll get a little bit better. And I got to figure out how to get back in there anyways. But over the course of that five days, I 
that drunken state of whatever I was in, in, you know, in, in shock, it started to die down and I realized what had happened. And I realized the immensity of it, the wrongness and how I was the victim. And that's okay. Because I think that, you know, and especially in the world of coaches and therapy and stuff, we really have the program of don't be the victim, you know, victor consciousness, don't be the victim, don't be a poor me, don't get stuck in your wound, don't, don't, don't. And I think that that really shuts people down because we start to fear being a victim. We are, we, my, my ex-husband of 17 years back there, he used to tell me, oh, you're just stuck in your story. And I'm like, stuck in my story, stuck in my, yeah, I'm stuck in my story because that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's these other pieces and everything, but I've been doing my work. I've been working on myself. I've been trying to shift these programs and stuff, but this story still remains. These events still occurred. The reality of the events is still the reality of the events. We might have different perceptions, but you know, um, the, this particular partner, he still has not apologized. He still says it never happened. He still says that we, that, that I'm making it up pretty much like if, you know, like that's where he's at, but I think like that every good delusional narcissistic. Behavior. Yeah. Yeah. He will not. And, you know, and there's been difficult conversations with our children that our kids have brought things up to me. And I'm like, here we are six years later and I'm, you know, trying to work through things that my boys are bringing up to me because they're asking, they're now old enough that they're asking questions. Are you like, able to show them the pictures that your girlfriend uh, uh, took I of you known. and show that to them so that you can show them, you see in what state I was, he had only a scratch, who is the victim? Think for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone through a lot of, I haven't showed them any pictures. I try really to keep it age appropriate with them. And I'm trying to keep a healthy container for them with their dad, because it is 50, 50 um, custody that I share with him. Cause I have tried to keep that balance there with that said, kids are kids. They inquire, they ask simplistic questions and sometimes very complex. And like my one's, my boys got into a fight in the car while driving home from school one day. And my older son, he wanted his little brother who had smacked him or something, pulled something out of his hand. And he said, I want him to apologize. And I said, do you really want him to apologize just to apologize? Or do you want it to be real? And he said, I want it to be real, mom. And I said, okay, well, you can't force a real apology. If you want it to be from his heart, then he needs to come up with that apology for himself. And I looked at my, my eight-year-old son and I said, you know, you do, you should apologize. You should feel sorry for what you did there. That wasn't, that wasn't loving. That wasn't kind. That wasn't what you should, should do with your, towards your brother. However, I can't force you to apologize. And he just went, he did his like little shut down and stuff. And Gabe said, well, that's not fair. He needs to apologize. Dad would force him to apologize. And Hannah said, that's interesting. Your father never apologized to me for some things. I would like for him to apologize, but I want it to be real. I don't want it to be just because the words I'm sorry mean nothing if there's no heart behind them, if there's no meaning behind them. They're just words. 
it doesn't, it, it, there's no growth or healing from just the words. And my 10 year old, he just looks at me like, and he knew, like he knew the car got really silent because he knew what I was referring to, but that's all that I left it at that. And by the time we, we were going to a movie, by the time I got to the movie, my eight-year-old apologized to my 10-year-old. But oh, that's good. <laughs> but you know, um, I also have a son. Now he's 25, but at the time when all those beating happened, he was up to three years old. Not after that. After that, it was it was two, but not with the same person, but it was um, much with little physical abuse and a lot of mental abuse. Um, so when I mentioned quite a few times that his father, his biological father, the one he doesn't want to see anymore, has actually beaten me in ways that are completely crazy and, and out of touch, he often looked at me like, hmm, really? Because he said that you're a liar. And I still to this day, and he's 25 years old, when I mention anything, even if he, he himself has been sexually abused by his father, so he knows how, mm -hmm. how mentally sick his father is. But still to this day, He's not sure when I say the kind of abuse I experienced. He's not sure. And he was there and he was beaten too at eight months old. So even though he did experience what I noticed is that he blanked out, mm -hmm. completely forgot, buried in the depths of the forgetfulness which we've come back. We all know that. My 10 year old doesn't have a, really a memory of, of the events. My eight year old still guards my knee today and is conscientious and says, mom, that's your bad knee. Oh, let, let me help you with that. Are you okay with that? Like he, he has been my little guard all the way through. And yeah, we're reaching a point and here he is eight and he's, he doesn't really want to go to his dad's house when it's, you know, dad's time and stuff. And he's just like, eh, like, I don't want to. Okay, fine. How long are, how long are we going to be there, mom? And I'll be like, oh, it's just five days. And he's like, oh, it's a long time. Three. Can it be three? He'll call me and he'll say, can you come get me early? You know, can we come, come home early to you? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just that he just doesn't, I know that he even though he was only three, he has that memory there where my older boy, he blocked. He blinked. He, yeah, he's, he's, very much, out. he's very much more the people pleaser too. He, he wants everything to be fair and just for everybody. So he tries to, you know, really make everything equal where my eight-year-old, he is very quick to just be F you on that. This is who I am. This is what's going on. And boom, I'm solid on that. So he's like very <laughs> just who he is, which I appreciate. I'm like, that's, that's good. Like be you for sure. So yeah. Mm -hmm. but. Wow. So I understand that five days into the healing, the first five days after 
this fitting of it I've done. Um, this is when you started to drop the idea of trying to recuperate this relationship. It was the power of the separation and sticking okay. to the separation, the power of space um, and and having a certain level of solitude. I mean, yes, I had friends that came and checked in on me and all that, because you know, and with, with my, my girlfriend's house, but it was this solitude and being out of his domain, his words, that container that he had created where it was being fed into me. And just for whatever reason, whatever stuck me there, it was probably mostly my friend, but <laughs> her determination of not, I'm not letting you go back, right? She definitely pulled an intervention because I, I did vocalize, well, I should. And she's like, no girl, no, you stay put, like, no like that and so and i wasn't in too much of a position to argue it so <laughs> i stayed and that that blessing of the space and the solitude and getting out of that allowed me to see myself differently and feel where i had been masking for who knows how long right I started to feel, I felt like, wow, yeah, I, I might be upset with myself for these things, but I didn't deserve that. I didn't do anything. I was just standing up for my child. I was just inquiring. I wasn't being this crazy girl. I wasn't being all this. I calmly went to him and asked him one question. What happened back there? And that's what led to this, you know? And the more I sat with that and just really analyzed it and dropped into it, I realized that, yeah, that was, it was, it started to, because I had experienced, one thing that we don't have in here is I actually experienced a rape in between, in between marriage and, and domestic union. I had a male client of mine rape me in my office back there and yeah yeah made working with men horrible and made going to my office really not pleasant for a time frame I changed offices but I had that happen. <laughs> had that happen and that took a lot to overcome because there's a difference between consensual rape in a relationship and rape right and that was that was a big time moment but what I learned from that which was Prior to this event, by a few years, I I learned the blessing in that masquerades itself as as this trauma, as this terrifying moment. And I went, well, I've been working with so many more women around sexual assault, around sexual trauma, and I never could really fully understand it at these levels. But you know, I learned to think of that more as a blessing because I had this impactful moment, and. So now look at everybody that I could touch, this world that I can enter into. And I've had to heal myself at these levels. So guess what I'm developing? The skills that other women need. And so as I came through that first week of separation, I realized in my, I think that a lot of that program was, there's a reason for this. I do believe in a higher power. I do believe that there is something more greater, that there's purpose behind, behind things. And so that thought 
popped into that those silent moments, you know, and I probably had plenty of prayer and meditation time in the midst of it as well that helped, but it was that that space, that silence that just made me go, I'm glad I'm out. I'm not going back. I don't deserve that. I did nothing wrong. And that was that shift. I'd say it was five to seven days after the fact. Okay. Okay. I think it's super important that you explain that because sadly so you are not the only one. Sadly so. And it's important to break the silence around this kind of abuse, around this abuse is really abnormal use. It's really like pushing too far. It's it's using an inappropriate way people or animals or things. Mm-hmm. Or even substance. Why do you say substance abuse? Because we use it inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And breaking the silence, saying the story, sharing that it did happen, we understand there is a way out. It's not the end of the world, even though it feels that way. It is not. It is what you want it to be. And when you choose that it is a opening for a greater blessing, and that you allow a greater blessing to come your way, this is when an entire universe, an entire world opens up for you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, just look at look at this podcast, right? How is it birthed? Right? I would have never dared to imagine doing that if I wouldn't have healed from fifteen years of domestic violence. I would have never even thought about that. I would have never. I did not understand before before coming to terms with the fact that, yeah, what you're going through is called domestic violence. So deal with it now and and get out of it. But Mm -hmm. put the words on it, like recognize that you are victim of domestic violence at that moment in time, until that moment in time, that you have the power to shift and that you have the power to change the direction of your life and then to start your healing and transformation journey that is not a one day three weeks or any three months transformation it's over no it's a never-ending journey that is the truth now should we get better absolutely yes is it worth it oh god yes (laughs) i mean meeting and, and welcoming is the love of your life after having experienced so much horrific relationships that did go wrong and sometimes very wrong and then having the chance to connect with a healthy-minded solid man who will also go through his own processing moment who will also go through his own sometimes anger moment but it's so different when it is a healthy anger that just needs to blow up express i feel that that is not right okay i hear you okay so now hurt so now no need to scream anymore <laughs> so done okay mm-hmm. and then 
from that, okay, so how are we going to actually change that and have a healthy conversation? And attend to those inner wounds that are still there because we, we come, two people come with their own wounds and their own entire past and entire generational trauma on them. And when we really realize that, then we, we are available to be blessed to meet the man of our dream or the woman of our dream. Yes, very, very well put. And I was going to say, you stop being a victim as soon the moment you say yes to yourself. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's, I mean, that that's the moment wherever that happens. It could happen in the middle of a of a of a fight. It can happen seven, five, seven days later. It could have, you know, it could have happened before that. I'm sure that if I think back, I probably had lots of little, you know, little little loops on my radar of like, I'm a no, like I need to say yes to myself. I need to say, yes, this isn't okay. And that was me setting boundaries and stuff, but I was still not a full yes to me until, until I got into that stillness with myself. And yeah, I went, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah, that's truly amazing. I think we did an amazing episode today. Like so, so powerful. Tell us a little bit about your business. A little bit about my business. Well, after all of that, that's how mm-hmm. a lot of the business has developed, right? And I mean, I have the man of my dreams in my life. You have your soulmate. I have my soulmate. Just simplify it with the word soulmate, right? And that's just it's a healthy, beautiful connected, communicative, mature, emotionally mature, psychologically mature, playful relationship. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. It's somebody that, yeah, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be conflict. It doesn't mean there's going to be conflict. There's going to be some arguments. There's, there's going to be triggers. Mm. There's going to be communicating about those triggers and healing through those. And there's still going to be fear and that residue uh, uh, that the trauma has created. And like you said, he has his stuff too. Right. Right. It's just real. Every guy's been with a crazy girl. I, I tend to think like every one of them's been with somebody that's made them go, Oh my gosh, like she's a little extreme on that, on the emotional front or something. Right. And I don't like to use the word crazy girl, but it's that emotionally immature woman. That's my name by that. And that is just like, I'm like, so what, what do I do business wise? Well, I'm 47. So I like to work with women and men in their forties. But that doesn't mean that I don't work with others. So it's like 40s and plus. And it's just after the baby making years, you know, we might have children, we might have teenagers, we might have eight and 10 year olds. Um, there's just a it's a different frame of life than when you're 20 or 30 and you're building a family and building your career and and still learning yourself and probably going through a lot of that trauma too. So a lot of people in their 40s are coming out of those relationship containers and they want love. They want a mature relationship. They want these beautiful things, but I hear over and over again, everybody's so wounded. There's Mm -hmm. nobody to date. 
I'm just, I hate dating. I, I don't, I can't do it. There's, you know, like whatever. It's easier to be alone. And yeah, it's a heck of a lot easier to be alone. Single people, you don't have, you don't have all that stuff. You're not getting faced with your wounds, your triggers, these different things. There is no place like an intimate union with another being to really work you through your stuff and heal you at a deep level. I firmly believe that the, the best healing space is doing enough of the self-worth, enough of the self-love, learning what your values are, learning what your boundaries are, what your non-negotiables are, learning how to stop being a people pleaser, right? Stop doing those things. And so that you're strong enough to find that match and call him or her in, right? And then in that union, that's where you up-level your healing. That's where, that's where it real, that's where the magic happens as I, so my mission is help the single ones find that by doing this work and by learning the skills to find the match, doing that, the work around that, because there's a lot of self growth, self transformation, healing that takes place. When I say a, a, a dating coach, I'm like, I don't give tips and try. It's a lot of it is self work. You know, learning those pieces and healing a lot of trauma. And then, yeah, because of my past, I I have a passion for helping women, whether they are coupled or single. Those wounds, that trauma, it needs healed. And there's certain paths through it, right, to get to that other side. And and that's, I mean, that's truly what I, I love to do is like work with women on that and then work with singles in general to call in. But all of it is, as I call my work, I'm like, it's all about just reclaiming your worthiness. At the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're reclaiming your worthiness. You are amazing. You are divine. You deserve it. Time to say yes to yourself. But you got to believe that you're worth it. Mm, that's fantastic. Great to have that as a bookmark. Wow. So, thank you. So your website is not really It is Kendall Williams. Yes. Yes. So, KW Coaching is my website. Although I encourage people to connect with me on social media far okay. more, just because okay. my website has got a ton. It's got. 15 years of stuff in there. You can definitely watch my progression over 15 years through my naked musings, my articles and stuff. Um, and I have a YouTube channel and all of that. And all of that's on the website, easy to find, just like social media is easy to find from there, all my platforms. But I, I am on Facebook every single day, putting out content there, um, articles, live streams, five-day challenges, working with people in different ways. So, I mean, like, that's really my hub, my space that I'm in. And, yeah, and the point behind Kendall Williams, because you kind of brought that up like that, that was just... <laughs> I went through, like I said, I experienced the client who raped me, right? <laughs> Component of this. And my, I, I was in the world of Tantra, polyamory, open relationships, all that stuff. Tantra was a major piece of that. The spiritual components of sex. And I went and I got my Tantra certification and all this training, worked with an amazing teacher. And he told me, don't use your real name. 
it's dangerous. You've got to protect yourself. You've got to protect your children. You're a woman. You're, you know, like you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're talking about sex. You're talking about Tantra. Danger, danger, danger. So he really instilled that in me. And he, he wanted me to go by like goddess Aria or something like that. You know, I went, no, it needs to be a real name. Like I'm not, I can't do that. I just can't like, I'll laugh at myself every time. I can't take myself serious with that. So yeah, I just came up with the name as Kendall Williams and I created this persona kind of like Marilyn Monroe did, created this persona for security purposes. Except I did a really good job branding myself. I got into far more areas of of the spectrum of education around sex and intimacy and healing than I ever thought back there that I would ever do. Hence Lifetime TV. That's Kendall Williams. <laughs> so, you know, I ended up all over the place and I branded myself really well. And then about three years ago, I wanted to just get rid of Kendall. I was done with her. I wanted authenticity. I had the love of my life in my world. We are, our life, I felt strong. I felt secure. I felt like I could be without this mask. And I wanted to drop her, except I didn't have the courage to drop her. So I gave her my middle name and I said, Kendall Renee Williams, working my way into my, into who I am. And I did that for about a year. And then I went camping one day, Craig and I went camping and I got hacked into and all of it went away. God just took it from me and I got really mad and really sad and really scared because I lost tens of thousands of followers in one camp trip and I was crying and I got, and I didn't get on social media for a year. Wow. Took a year long medical from social. Wow. That's long. Okay. Okay. And then last year I went, all right, I'm done being mad. I've worked through it. And at that point in time, I had branded myself. I had reestablished my website. I had gotten out and gotten syndicated as me, 100%. My views, my everything, my name was everywhere. And so I had spent that year syndicating myself all over the place. And, you know, just numerous. So I'm I'm now Google happy. (laughs) I'm now Google happy. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. And then here we are. So there you go. That's, but I just can't bring myself to dump everything that kendallwilliams.com has pointed at it at this. It's, there's too much over almost two decades. I'm like, I don't have, I don't have the energy to go and locate myself at that level to try to repoint everything. So yeah, this is a work. <laughs> there are tools for that, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> probably thousands of backlinks. Yes. Yes. And that's, I'm just like, nope, forget it. I, it, it's, it's my story. It's my story. It's, it's part it's the coming to be me story. And, you know, I'm like, I've just got to accept that. And people who can understand it, understand it and are aligned and people who don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Renee, welcome to have shared your story. Thank you for being authentic, vulnerable. You notice that you were not eaten alive. You were just welcomed. You were just like feeling good in a safe space. 
knowing that those who listen, they are here like, wow, thinking about themselves. Wow. I hope that all your stories on here, including mine, just touch just one, just one person that says yes to themselves. I mean, that's, 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 that's a part of it. <laughs> I'm always. I see the vision of putting out so much high quality content of real stories from real women who break the silence. Because it's so easy to say, oh, everything fine. Yeah, so okay. Me too? Yeah. Okay, so mm -hmm. shall we go to the beach? Yeah, sure. And then nothing happens, no healing, no nothing. But when you say, yeah, okay, actually there is something. Oh, what is it? And this is when you start the real connection, authentic, vulnerable. And the truth is that our healing journeys, they are never finished. We can finish one layer at a time. But there is always another one that shows. <laughs> I hope sometimes after five years of working through, I became so mad when there was a new layer coming up saying, we did the work, that's over. I am here now. So you're not going to trigger me anymore. It's like it was so explosive from me. <laughs> but then Sasha was like, hmm, I can see that there is still something to work on because I was so explosive. And later, another year, another year, another year, now we are 10 years together. Still to this day, still to this day. And now I dropped the dream of having finished the healing. I dropped that dream. This is not a reality. However, can we get so much better? Oh yeah. We can become very, very good at actually noticing, awareness, pinpointing, choosing the answer, being appropriate. And sometimes we will still like explode. We are still young. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah, the, the, healing, the healing journey, I don't think it ever ends. I mean, I've, I myself, much like you have said, why am I going through this again? Why? I thought I, I thought I figured that out. I thought I had that one, yeah. you know, taken care of. I th I thought I had done enough journaling and affirmations and cognitive behavior work and 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 all this stuff. And I, I've done it all. Like why? Why? Why is this coming up? And I know that we're running out of time, but I want to share this yeah. one story because this might really help those who are going through that okay. so I, I came up with this with a client one day and i went hey that's a pretty good story so imagine you're in a room and in the middle of the room is just this pile of rotten trash and 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 literal crap and it stinks and there's flies swarming all over the place. It's so horrible. And you walk into the room and it's massive. It takes up like the whole room. And you're like in a lighthouse. Imagine like a lighthouse, a tower, okay? Like that. And it's just, it's so horrible. You're like, oh my gosh, right? Just, you can't breathe in there. It's overwhelming. And then you see that there's a staircase over to the side. 
it's one of those spiral staircases that just wraps up and around. You start on that staircase and you're like right up next to it. It's really, the flies are swarming you. You're, you're like this, it's bad, it's bad. And you start up that staircase and you just keep going, keep going, keep going. You work your way around and you got a little bit of elevation and you're looking at it and there's a little bit more distance because it's kind of shrinking because it's it's a pile, right? It's just right there. It's not all over. It's not filled to the to the brim. And you look at it, but still, you can still smell it. It's still really close to you. You can still see it. You still got the flies. Like, oh, am I ever going to get away from this crap? And you just keep going at that staircase because you see the light. You see that blue sky at the top of that tower. You do. There's a little bit there. And so you climb a little bit higher and you climb a little bit higher. And then you still smell it a little bit. You still see it, but it's a little bit smaller now because you're higher than it. And you keep going up and you keep going up. And now you're looking down. And before you know it, you see more blue sky than you see of all that crap. There's no more flies and the air doesn't stink anymore. Now you've got the fresh ocean air coming through the top of that tower. You can breathe again. But the crap, it's still there. You make the decision if you want to walk down and get into it and go and dig around or if you want to stay at the top of that tower and breathe that fresh ocean air so there you go that's my little story <laughs> that's amazing and that is a choice and both choices are good mm -hmm. it's a choice because sometimes sometimes you're going to trip and you're going to fall down some of those stairs Something's going to happen and you're going to fall down some of the stairs and you're going to take a really good whiff of it. And you're going to be like, Ooh, Ooh, I thought I got rid of that. No, you did actually. You, you elevated away from that. <laughs> you away. You elevated yourself from it. You see it differently. Your perspective has shifted, but it's still there. There's still going to be some residue of it. And it's still going to every now and then pop up because those are the places that we still need to heal. Those are our, our growth spots. Mm -hmm. Value, a lot of value. Thank you. Thank you. I truly appreciate you. I bless you. And uh, I know you're already blessed, but I keep on blessing you. And that is what matters. You bless the world. Let, let the world bless you. Thank you. Namaste to you. Namaste to you too.